Welcome to the Geek-Centric Podcast, and welcome to our watch club for the Book of Boba Fett. Jabba ruled with fear. I intend to rule with respect. Welcome to Watch Club. My name is Nate, and this is our watch club for the Book of Boba Fett, Episode 1, titled Stranger in a Strange Land, directed by Robert Rodriguez. If you're joining us for the first time, this is Watch Club, our weekly review series, kind of like a book club, but way better. Keep in mind, we will be going into full spoilers for this series and Star Wars in general, so if you haven't watched this week's episode yet, be sure to do so, and then come right back in less than 12 parsecs. Now, before we're all captured by some Tusken Raiders, let me introduce you to the scum and villainy joining us today. First up, he's a junkyard Jawa who's jonesing for more Django. He's Justin Lawrence. Houdini! <laughs> that was a good one. That sounded good. You'd be a little tall for a Jawa, I think. I'd feel like, uh, I'd feel like Will Ferrell's elf. Oh, yes. Yeah, a little bit. That would be an amazing if you did like there was a bunch of little Jawas around you. And then well, we'll, we'll talk class. after about it. I think it's a, okay. I think it's a project that works. I think we could Disney Plus <laughs> hook us up uh, and joining us from the sands of Tatooine. We've got uh, the dankest dude on Dagobah. He's Darcy Dank Farrick Hudson. That's me. How you doing? How's it going? Can't believe we're, we're starting another watch club. We j- it j- we just finished Hawkeye. Like this was yeah, like a over week a week. Ago we finished. Yeah, we, we it feels it feels like it was two weeks ago with the holidays. But it's true. And we're we're so holidays? behind. We're so behind. So, but you know Listen, what? It's it's time to rest. Yeah, it's an R and R, man. Yeah. Rest and relaxation. You know, Absolutely. enjoy the holidays, especially with COVID going around. So, you know what I mean? Yeah, you don't want to you don't want to end up in a gooey pit of but COVID. I was, I was uh, happy to see the show drop though during the holiday yes. break, which I think is very fitting given the fact that our first introduction to Boba Fett was during a holiday special. So oh, you know, yeah. a lot of people a lot of people are like, oh, why are they dropping it around Christmas? I think that could be a bit tongue in cheek as to why they're dropping it now. So yeah. So it was that's, a nice it was a nice sense. little uh, after Christmas present. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. Very fetting indeed. Uh the content never <laughs> stops uh and never gives up, just like Boba Fett in this episode. So are you guys ready to to get into this? Let's jump into the back to pod. So we start this episode with a glimpse at a now very empty Jabba's Palace, where we see Boba Fett dreaming in a back-to-pod, by the way, not a back-to-tank, there, mm-hmm. there's a difference, uh, with glimpses of the worst parts of his life, starting with uh, you know a glimpse of Kamino, then we get his father's death on Geonosia, uh, followed by a moment that I think... I think almost every Star Wars fan has been waiting for since 1983. That's right. We see Boba Fett climbing through and eventually out of the Sarlacc pit. So let's just let's just stop right there. Guys, what did you think of this moment finally realized on screen in canon after all these years? Justin. The episode wastes no time at just kind of bringing us right into the fold of the sort of trauma, if you will, that... Uh, that this character has gone through, you know, taking us all the way back to his home planet. We even see the slave one on the on the on the platform. I think it must have been just before they left the last time he saw uh, Camino, and you know, taking us all the way to to the death of his father, which they've reshot, which I was really surprised with. But um, you know, giving more significance and impact of these moments, and bringing us, you know, to the Sarlacc pit, which 
was great. Pretty straightforward. He just burned his way through with what gear he had with him. But, uh, you know, mm-hmm. I guess Patton Oswalt had sort of an epiphany about this whole thing. Yeah, it was in Parks and Rec. He was doing yeah, a filibuster really? in one of the outtakes. It's a 20-minute long pitch for, like, the greatest superhero Star Wars mashup movie of all time. And he mentions oh, wow. you see a Mandalorian gauntlet burst through the sand and claw his way out <laughs> of the Sarlacc pit. And we saw that in today, this episode. It's, yeah. It was great. I, I think a lot of fans, uh, you know, pictured him coming out of the mouth. We didn't mm-hmm. expect that he might come out of the side or out of the butt of the, of the Sarlacc, but I loved seeing him with the stormtrooper. You know, yeah. obviously a long dead storm. There weren't there weren't any stormtroopers on that Jabba's sail barge, so you know he's yeah. got that that the air that he pumps into him. I just thought that was so good. He was obviously decomposing in there for a long time. Yeah, who uh, knows how long dewy. he was unconscious? Right. So. Well, you could see um, his yeah. suit was like melting, right? And yeah, I wonder if there would have been a do back in there if we kept. Uh, you know, crawling through there. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, so then we get a bunch of Jawas stealing his gear, which makes sense, given that that's how Cobb Vanth and the Mandalorian ended up with it. Uh, yeah. And then we see he's imprisoned by a bunch of Tusken Raiders, who, I just have to say, look like some of the coolest Tusken Raiders that I've ever seen. Um, they string him up, and in single file, obviously, they drag him back to their encampment, where seven minutes in, we finally get the title card for this show. Uh, then we see him beat up by a bunch of Tuscan children. He escapes his bonds after knocking out a massive, uh, and then he's caught and then beaten yet again, losing in a one-on-one battle. Uh, so let's dive into it. Darcy, what did you think of the sort of the opener for this show or leading up to the title? Uh, I thought it was a really cool way. Again, it's giving us the answers we all wanted uh, to know about. Because again, we like you said, you knew we know Cobb Vanth got it from the uh, Jawas, mm-hmm. which we learned in Mandalorian as well as the Aftermath series. So the fact that they're Again, keeping canonizing those books even further because yep. they were the first books released after Disney's whole revamping of the extended universe. Right. So it's nice to see that they're still going back to the beginning of that because I really enjoyed that trilogy. Totally. But uh, other than that, yes, like you said, seeing those uh, Tuscan Raiders, it looked like they were had a lot more personality and they were all just the same. They had a, yes. a lot more uniqueness to each of their outfits and clothing and stuff. I thought it was really cool. You can tell there's like a hierarchy, right? There's yeah. a mm-hmm. ranking of them. Mm-hmm. It's pretty dope. Yeah, I think the Sand People appear to be you know they're far less savage than than what we've seen in in previous iterations in in in, in this movies um and they seem to have a code which seems very closely aligned to i think the values of of what boba fett is going to soon have um mm-hmm. that being said though i i think that they do a really great job here at filling in the gaps of his past while moving the story in the present forward and and i love that a majority of of that sequence that you described Nate was with no dialogue Right. Yes. Like there wasn't any dialogue that was that was really run through it up until the Rodian mm-hmm. kind of alerts uh, that he's trying to escape. Right. So up until that point, it, it was very much a, an experience in terms of just the nuances of Tatooine and, and whatnot. Very classic, you know, Western. Yes. Right. Like the good, the bad, the ugly vibes, especially when they're dragging him. You know, he's he's tied up on the rope. And uh, I, I'm also a huge fan of flashbacks, as you pointed out, Justin, like. Obviously, Lost is is one of the best shows on TV. So to get flashbacks in Star Wars is pretty dope. I do hope they continue with it. I, I would really love that. Um, yeah, I love the the no dialogue thing. I just got to say though, the music, dude. Like Ludwig Göransson is freaking killing it. Like the the like the the yells and stuff like that. I'm just like, it just felt it felt so different from Star Wars while still feeling very similar to the Mandalorian. 
Right. right? And, and it's kind of like, okay, so now we're building sort of, he's building his own repertoire of Star Wars music and 100%. he's just nailing it. Yeah, he is he is finding a way to take aesthetical references and transfer them into the experience of the music and the score, which feels very primal and, and, and organic. You know, it blends the voices and the drums and the strings yeah. and it all just, it, it, it adds to the experience of the episode. Yet, like you said, Nate, it feels very familiar to The Mandalorian, but feels very fresh and new. Did sort of remind me uh, a little bit of like uh, Dune-esque at times. Um, okay. So yeah. it had that sort of very, very tribal... Uh, Almost like a guttural, very a guttural, guttural sort of, sort of vocal uh, sound. Yeah, a very guttural vocal mm-hmm. and, and just sound to it all around. But yeah, Ludwig killed it, and he is, he is so definitely good. showcasing that... Uh, while he might not necessarily be uh, John Williams, he can still build a, a an experiential sort of uh, experience through his music with with Star Wars. So I think that's great. Absolutely. I also I gotta say I love the fighting style of the Tuscan Raiders. Where you know we didn't re- we've never really seen them fight that much. We've seen them getting taken out before uh, by Anakin, but we've never really seen that sort of fighting style except once when we saw Boba Fett for the first time again in Mandal season two where he has that same fighting style. So clearly, you know, Darcy, I think they're going to train, they're going to train him in the way of the gaffy stick. You know what I mean? Oh, probably. I mean, yeah. again, as we see later on in the episode, he's starting to carve a place out for himself in this new tribe that he's a part of, yeah. uh, willingly or not type thing. So yeah, I thought it was a really unique way to start the the episode off. And I thought it was also cool to see like the the dog that's kind of guarding him in the, the, the Rodian. Yeah. That's is that not what we saw uh, in Bad Batch too? Like with uh uh Omega in the tunnels? Oh yeah. Like, we so we've seen it again, a few times. We've seen it a yeah. couple times. I, I just the, again the, yeah. That was the first, the most recent time I remember seeing. So again, yeah. they, they they like bringing back those visual cues to tie these these series together. So again, they're very smart. In, in using the creatures that they have in their rep- uh, in their database, so totally really neat. Yeah, dude, massifs are uh, are the top dog of Star Wars world. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> then we we see Fennec Shand wakes him up uh, in current time, and he's presented with tributes from the other crime lords and families of Mos Espa. Uh, we see an Aqualish Dawn saying something about. Uh, friendship, I think. Uh, a Trandoshan named Doc Strassi, who uh, awkwardly uh, Boba used to work for. Uh, and then we, we actually get to meet uh, Mayor Mokshay's Major Domo, who we don't actually get a name for. Uh, but he brings no tributes and instead brings a series of understandable misunderstandings. <laughs> uh, and then lastly, we see two Gamorrean guards who fet spares in exchange for their loyalty, which they give up pretty easily. Uh, so, we get, guys, we get our first taste of sort of the crime underlords of Mos Espa that we're probably going to be noticing and, and, and being with throughout the series. My question for you is, who? I know Fennec Shan's got her eyes on all of them, but who do you think we need to keep our eyes on the most? Yeah, yeah. Obviously, the mayor. That's what they want to say. <laughs> I always want to point out that uh, that Trandoshan had just a full on Wookie pelt. Yep. <laughs> and no, there's like, yep. Here's I, I've skinned a whole one for you type Jeez. thing. So that that was concerning to see. You never. I mean, like that to shows know. so much strength, right? That's that's yeah. that's how you pump some fear into your enemies. You say, "I've skinned a Wookie." Like, come yeah. on, dude. Unreal. Um, yeah, I think they're all to give it to you. Like, ah, jeez, <laughs> dude. I think they're all going to be incredibly dangerous. I, I, I do hope we do get to see more of that major domo though, because I don't know. I liked him for some reason. I, I, I've 
read some stuff online that he rubbed people the wrong way. He doesn't feel very Star Wars esque. He sort of feels out of place. But uh, he I seems, know, I he, like seems his... he seems to fit in fine in terms of that sort right? of political uh, sort of two two sided yeah. slimy sleazeball yeah. sort of thing. Right. My problem with him is that he he doesn't seem like twi- uh, like 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 most of the Twi'leks we've seen. Sure, right. seems very. I don't know. He does. It seems like he was a Twi'lek raised completely yeah. separate. He doesn't from have a Twi'lek French society. accent. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing <laughs> totally. about him that says Twi'lek except for his leku, and that's right. where I'm just like, maybe that's where my disconnect is coming mm. from. I don't know. But, mm. well, what's clear here, though, is that you know we get we get to see that there's there's obviously like this sort of bending the knee or this transferring of power. Yeah, uh, it just it, it's not going to go smooth, and and we're seeing as you pointed out, Nate. You know. The, the variable people that may be his friends or foes, you know, throughout this, the rest of the season. And, you know, the mayor obviously calling out Fett as he, you know, sends a, an associate on his behalf and asks mm-hmm. for something from, from, from Boba Fett. And he's just like, what are you talking about? Um, <laughs> I, thought I, was I, I, I think, I think he is, yeah. he is going to be the threat. And I, I would, I'm going to just throw it out now, but I think he might've been behind the group that, we see at the end in that street fight. Um, I think so. But I also think that we get to see his his sort of compassion and his care as he pardons the Glorian guards and brings them into his fold as 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 part of his team. Um, yeah. I think that that shows, you know, it's the first instance before we get to that line of, you know, leading with respect and not yeah. with fear. Um, and, and we see it throughout this episode, which I think is just you know, there's just these subtle hints and then we get that payoff of that line, right? So um I, I liked that he did that. No man, I absolutely I think I think he's he's definitely a, a much fairer ruler than uh than Jabba or or, or Bib Fat Tuna uh before <laughs> him. Um I uh I did want to call out that those Gamorian guards are looking svelte. You know what I mean? Like they're looking like obviously they've had to lift you know, bib fat tuna on a litter all this time. So like that's their workout or something. I don't know. Cause we're used to seeing them a little chunkier than I, you know, than that. Well, again, they're wearing less clothes than ever before. Too. Yeah. Usually they've got like the hot the thing, man. two sons, man. Or padding. You're yeah. just say, so you're just telling, you're just saying it's not them. It's the clothing. It's the coats. Yeah. Like, give they're them just a showing okay. off the bods. Those all hot right, bods all have right. always been underneath there. <laughs> <laughs> I want to shout out the smelter droid. Who's announcing everyone in the scene called eight D eight, according to the, the subtitles he's voiced by Matt Barry, who does such an excellent job. You would know him from like what we do in the shadows or the it crowd. Toast of London. I want, I want him to be in this series so much more. I know that Fett calls out like needing a protocol droid in this sequence. And a lot of people are like, Oh, C3PO. But honestly, if this guy just learns how to be a protocol droid, I would so much rather Yeah, Because I'm pretty sure they've mentioned there's protocol expansions that you can get for droids. So snap in that guy. And yeah, that's all I want. Wasn't that droid though? The torture droid in, uh, the smelter droid. Yeah. The smelter droid. Yeah. 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 Which is like, it's so fitting because he's like, we could torture it. Like their squeals will be heard or whatever. Yeah. You can tell he's so amped to like torture (laughs) these these Gamorrean guards. And and, one of those guys is also turning to meet at uh, the landing pad and galaxy's edge. Oh Oh, yeah. Or at least the one, one of those you see it. He's turning to meet in the middle of the, right, right, right. Where you get your Ronto wraps. That's it. Yes. 
Well, very cool. Um, okay, well, let's keep going here. They they then take a walk down the streets of Mos Espa, and I just want to quickly call something out. They pass by some Boston Dynamics robots, which is which awesome. Was, <laughs> did you did you like it? Because I found it, it was a little bit weird. Like I I like Star Wars and my real world melding together, but that felt a little bit too close. I don't no, know. No, no, that because they already like the whole thing about those dog ones in, in pers- yeah. uh, particular is they already have such personalities to them. So they to right. me are like droids that already exist. So seeing them just a bit more teched out in this other universe and also have the same reaction and yeah. again quirks. I'm like that is it's exactly what I want. I can imagine that being a droid. I already I'm, did. So I mean, awesome. I would buy one if they sold it at Galaxy's Edge. So okay, okay. <laughs> but they also serve to be a bit of like irony. The mm-hmm. fact that we have these droids in real in real life, but they do feel like they might have been something that came from Star Wars. It has the reverse effect. They came from real life That's and they're cool. being referenced in Star Wars. So it's it's comedic irony to to have them sort of featured as as behind the scene characters, right? Seems like a Favreau move for sure. For sure. Um, so then we get to the sanctuary. And <laughs> let's talk about... So hold on. We, we see Max Rebo and possibly Figrin Dan. They're jamming out with a dope flamenco, flamenco cover. remix of, of the Cantina song. Uh, well, the Cantina like, song. Yeah, I'm wondering so if, that's, if that's partially in, inspired by Robert Rodriguez being that he is like of Spanish that descent, makes sense. right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it has a very... Hispanic sort of like vibe to it, right? I loved it. It was it was so good. really good. But it begs the question though: How the heck is that blue bastard still alive? Because there's more of them. Saw, <laughs> last time we saw, no, no, no. That's Max Rebo. The last time we saw Max Rebo was on that sail barge. Do you think he he's like, I really got to make this next gig, so I'm I'm, I'm piecing out before this thing explodes? Like, how did he get out of there? I mean, if he's playing for Crime Lord and stuff like that, you got to assume he's been part of a, you know, the occasional restaurant shoot up or something like that. Right. So I wouldn't be surprised if he always has an escape plan. He's come on again. Like a musician, show me an episode about that. I'd like to see how Max Rebo got (laughs) just a Max Rebo spin off Star Wars shorts. The book of Max Rebo. Let's go. Um, So, (laughs) so we uh, we hear that beautiful flamenco cover of uh, it's called the song is actually called Mad About Me, by the way, uh, which I thought was interesting. Um, And so we meet with Madame Garza Fwip, and Boba informs her that he's not carried around on a litter, and that he assures her that her her business will continue to thrive under his watchful eye. Uh, She's very impressed by that, and she lets him know that he's always welcome to this little slice of paradise. Uh, then we get out to the street where we see Boba and Fennec are attacked by a group of energy shield wielding bad guys. Uh, and with the aid of their Gamorrean guards, they fend them off uh, and Fennec chases down two of them and eventually captures one. So, um, you know, obviously, you know, we we you mentioned, Justin, you think that these these are a result of what happened with the major domo in the previous scene. Correct. Uh, I think a different thing. I mean, the oh. fact that they were so quick to attack, I'm assuming they're connected to, uh, what's her name that you were just saying? Madame, what's her Garza face? Garza Yeah, that's the Garza other option. That's I, I agree with you. There. That's who I'm thinking it was because it was such a quick turnaround. Yeah. And I, I don't know, something about them I that just made me think, I don't trust her more than I don't trust the obvious, you know, red herring that made, yeah. that made her dome yeah. at this point. Interesting. So that was my opinion. The Also, one problem I had with this scene was the fact that they got cornered, like circled, like, ensnared very quickly there like yeah. it was yeah it was very weak fighting that i've seen i understand boba's not in the best shape but fennec was not really doing much either there well i i, I gotta say this this was kind of part of the the negatives of this episode the street fight mm. was very uninteresting and, and not fantastic it, it more or less just sets up the threat that we'll find out more of throughout the the rest of the of these you know coming episodes um 
you know, once Fennec Shan, played by uh, Ming Na Wen, escapes, it was it was cool to see some of her fighting styles. But I, I'm I'm interested and in, and excited to see how that can be explored in further episodes uh, through through the series, and and if she yeah. ends up finding herself against some foes uh, that that are actually like formidable uh, against her. Uh, but yeah, Darcy, I'm totally with you. I don't think that this lended itself as being like the strongest or and, cleanest uh, sort of uh, battle sequence. Yeah. And when I thought back about it, I feel like a lot of that might come from the fact that it was it, like, the scene, they distinctly both got their helmets knocked away. So it was a lot. It was those two were doing a lot of those, the fight choreo- choreography. Right. Whereas with the helmeted characters, usually we get, you know, the stunt doubles in sure. who are per, like, who know the it's choreography true. and have worked out these fight scenes for weeks in advance type thing. So I, I feel like that might be where the disconnect is. And I'm hoping that going forward, we will see more helmeted combat because again, that's kind of, that's what I want to see. I want to see more fast paced Boba action, not sluggish and, and chug like chugging type thing. It was weird. Yeah. It, it definitely felt like a stark contrast between the Boba Fett in the Mandalorian mm-hmm. and, and this Boba Fett. Um, so yeah, hopefully we get to see him. I mean, he was caught off guard, so who knows, but I, you know, according to the credits, um, they are, uh, apparently they're, they're an assassin group called the Nightwind Nightwind assassins. Um, and I think, Honestly, those energy shields and those vibro staffs look like they came from money. So, so my my bet is that they are from someone powerful and rich, not necessarily one of the lower crime lords. Um, so it'll be really interested to see. It could have been them because hey, who's say to say that lower crime lords aren't rich though? No, they don't got the they don't got the cash. They're not pulling in that cash like uh, like my man Mock Shays. But let's keep going here. Boba gets tossed back in his bathtub where he flashes back to a an experience. Uh, where a Rodian and him are brought out into the desert to dig for water. Now, on their travels, they pass by a moisture evaporator uh, and being attacked by uh, and tagged by a speeder bike gang. So before we keep going, um, let's talk about these guys. Uh, first of all, what did you think of seeing the the moisture evaporator farm, the the homestead? Um, I don't think it was the Lars homestead. No, no of course it no, wasn't. It was on the opposite There's end. Hundreds of, of yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I didn't have my map with me. My mom asked for the map. Um, <laughs> Aren't they in the so, dunes so, of of this this? There's there's a place where the sand people live on live? on Tatooine in that in that okay. area, right? So. Yeah, the Dune Sea, maybe. Um, they 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 tagged the the building with a, what looked like a J and an L. So I, my boys say, representing. I'm thinking it's yeah. I think Justin Lawrence <laughs> is the head of these biker gangs. I've seen him wear jackets like that before. So maybe, <laughs> maybe. Um, but do you, Darcy? Do you have any theories on these this Nikto gang? I I can't remember if I've heard of them before or not mm-hmm. again all the scum and villainy in the extended canon tends to blend together after a certain point because sometimes they're just invented to be thwarted yeah so i, I don't know if i've seen them before or not i i wouldn't be surprised if that might be where the flashbacks focus on is, is his time with the 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 uh, tuscan raiders and then defending them or fighting back about against oh, okay. these you know people that encroaching on their territory because i feel like that's a big part of uh his character now is close to him. So 100%. I like that. Yeah. I like, I, I, I'm really intrigued and in to see where the story goes just based on what we've seen so far. Sure. And that's a really cool idea because you could almost go so far as to combine these flashback moments with what's going on currently by bringing in whoever the leader of that gang is 
with what's going on in our our current time. Sure. I think mm-hmm. we I think we see a Nikto in one of the trailers in one of the meeting scenes. So it's very possible that this gang could still be well alive. Maybe he thought he took care of them uh, with the Tuscan Raiders, but then they they come back. So okay, okay, okay. I like that. Sorry, the Nikto's were are those the ones that we like, they look like the the bearded lizards but they're people yeah so we saw them in in the mandalorian nictos we actually saw in in the mandalorian they were the ones that were protecting grogu in episode one were they not? yes yes oh. you're right i completely so is, a Gro- is a grogu gang i think i think to darcy's point though we've known this as as long as we've been in star wars and that is yeah tatooine is full of scum bad and and bad things so there's a yeah. whole lot of pockets of it of of crime that are that are taking place and everyone's got their group and their clique so you know yeah. i think that darcy's on the right track to say that i think this is going to be the threat that the sand people need to thwart and that 100 percent boba is going to step in and help he's going to help mm. them overcome what they're scared of interesting mm-hmm. And again, with that, uh, the daimyo reference, the fact that that's what Boba is being called in this, his new position, stuff like that. I'm wondering if this whole, like, the future timeline might be a, like, going back to, like, feudal Japan where they're, they were fighting for territories and exactly. stuff like that. And if we're going to see this, like, with a true crime rule that envelops all of Tatooine, not just the small pocket that we constantly keep going back to. So I think. There's a lot of cool things that are in store for this show, just based on what we've, again, just on this first episode, they've laid a lot of neat little East uh, threads that we could potentially follow. So I'm hooked. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Uh, well, lastly in the episode, you know, we see they're, they're digging for water and the Rodian digs up uh, a giant four-armed centaur-like creature and we see Boba Fett choke it out just like a, a wonderful princess we once knew. Uh, and he returns to the camp victorious uh, as the Tuscan Raider explains what happened, uh, and he seems to gain some respect amongst his captors. Uh, so, I want to know, what did you guys think of this boss battle moment between Fett and this ripoff of Goro from Mortal Kombat? <laughs> I like this a lot more than that street fight. It showed it, like Boba's inju- ingenuity with just a chain and how he yeah. could use that to his advantage. I, it was great. I also like the fact that he was standing up for the youngling. Like, he... Clearly already doesn't want to see this thing hurt. Otherwise, he would have just started running as soon as he had the chance type thing. Mm. So, mm. yeah, I thought it was really cool. Yeah, I, I think uh, the callback, obviously, to Leia strangling Jabba is very apparent here. Um, makes me wonder if he actually saw it and was like, oh, that's a good trick. Um, From inside the Sarlacc pit? <laughs> no, just, no, wait, was he, would he have already been in the Sarlacc pit? I think pit, he right? was already okay, in the Okay, he'd already been in the Sarlacc. So yeah. that's, that's, that's not possible. But yeah. th- at least, you know, these subtle... Easter egg callbacks. Oh. I appreciate yeah. that they they threw that in yeah. there, and uh, you know, again, it shows that you were able to use it as as Darcy said to showcase uh, Boba Fett's ability to be very, uh, you know, uh, tactile and and work with what he's got to to do what he needs to do. Yeah, I mean, you kind of see, you know, we obviously went through the entire uh, Clone Wars and Bad Batch, getting to see, you know, the clones of him. Uh, of Jang, I guess of Django, but uh, same thing, whatever. His brothers, um, essentially, a bunch they, of his brothers, right? His brothers, but they're they're you know utilizing that tactile mind, and we see that he he does have that, even though he's not necessarily an enhanced uh, clone. We we get to see that kind of sort of play through. I do want to say I love the design of the the creature. I thought um, it was very Star Wars. Yeah, yeah it was very like pup- 
puppetry, very like classic monster movie looking. Uh, reminded me of the face, reminded me a little bit of like the creature from the Black Lagoon. Um, and I gotta say, like, this character was more CG, but like, you see the head at the end and the tongue's all wiggly. And I just gotta say, like, the show is doing, and I think Mando did this too, but I think this show even more so because of so much reference to Return of the Jedi, so much more practical effects uh, mm-hmm. in this series, I think, is going to be what really sets this this tone and this look. And it captures that originally original trilogy vibe uh, so well with the creatures and the costumes and even seeing, um, you know, seeing the Trandoshan earlier where it's like robotic eyes and mouth moving and stuff. And you can, you know, for some people, I, I know that it might take it out, take that, sorry, take them out of it a little bit, but I, I thought it was was really good. I think that, you know, just mentioning the fact that you're talking about um, these practical effects, and I, I think that is a real testament to, you know, John Favreau, Robert Rodriguez mm-hmm. being passionate filmmakers that appreciate, obviously, the good storytelling that comes from Star Wars, uh, or that can come from Star Wars, rather, and uh, its ability to to inherently impact cinema and, and Hollywood's, Hollywood's way of, of making these things, while also giving callbacks right like that's yeah. star wars right very cool um well i mean that's that's kind of it he drinks that water and then we get the that awesome dope music again freaking ludwig Göransson. but uh yeah. let's get to our final thoughts and score for this episode uh which we're going to be rating on a scale of one to five back to baths uh so justin i'll have you kick us off for, for me this first episode is is super strong but like mm-hmm. also super soft and and reserved uh, mm. The episode dedicates a lot to Boba Fett's backstory to sort of deepen the audience's understanding of this evolution as to where we see him in the present. Right. Uh, the yep. flashbacks, while they inform and provide background as to how Fett has become sort of more methodical in his approach to being a new crime lord, the narrative portion of 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 this with the Sand People uh, appears to be something that's going to have very deep meaning to to Boba Fett's character and I love that they're they're doing this more with with him out of his costume you know we, yeah. we are seeing the person behind the faceless uh bounty hunter that we has been on the sidelines in much of the Star Wars stories and it's just it's helping already after one episode just giving more meaning and giving more depth to to the character of Boba Fett and Tamora Morrison was was great. I love the way he's playing the character as of Boba as like sort of weathered who who can, wants to command respect. It just strikes a brand new way of us to look at this iconic character and I'm excited mm-hmm. to see where his story is going to go and and I think Darcy's on the right track of sort of getting a vindication and seeing what good he can do through the sand people. And him with with Fennec Shan like I don't know like this this episode really solidifies their sort of badass nature. Um, And and their dynamic really does sort of work off of each other because while Boba Fett wants to sort of encompass ruling with respect, to be a ruler, you need to encompass various virtues, if you will. And I think while Fett will be ruling with respect and sort of a strict hand, I think Fennec Shan is going to represent the muscle, obviously, and the fear as she keeps an eye on no one really taking advantage of, of 
anything that's going on here. Like talk about the relationship a bit more. Going back to that uh, daimyo reference, like they're all they were always had the assassin in their back pocket or their right hand enforcer to be like while they had the the calm, cool, collected face. There's someone standing right behind them, giving out that bloodthirsty lust type thing. So I feel like it's totally that she's totally filling that role, and he's going to be using that to his advantage for sure. 100%. He can be that calm, cool guy while she lets loose the, the anger and stuff. So I, I think it's really cool. She's kind of filling in the role that he did for Java, Java right? So exactly. that's, that's perfect. Yeah, yeah it's, he's, he's now evolved, and that's exactly it. Is She gets to be his boba. Um, right. Nate, you already said it. Ludwig's score was incredibly oh. dope, very primal. The, the blend of voices, drums, strings, the sort of, it elevates the experience. You know, this first episode showcases the Western and samurai inspiration by balancing both throughout the narratives of past and present. But the downfall is as we get more to the background and we get more of the teases of the obstacles that are going to come in future episodes, this focus on the past sort of hinders the pacing of of the narrative overall. So there's no Mm. real hooks or any wows from this episode, similar to that of like a baby Yoda reveal in, in the episode one of Mandalorian. However, I think much like Boba Fett, this episode seeks to stay reserved as there is a lot more story to tell for this character. And that being said, I am excited to see where they're going to go. It was a great first episode. I'm going to be giving this four out of five back to baths. All righty. Back to baths. Darcy, you feeling all pruny yet after after that one? You yeah, want to you wanna get out of the back to bath? <laughs> Do you get pruny in a back to bath? I've I, never seen their hands. That's I, true. His face looked pretty pruny, but I think that like, was yeah. just the His burn. face looks great. He's been healing. Scarred. He's looking yeah. a lot yeah. better. Yeah. Overall, again, I like the episode with the the exception of that one street fight. Um, again, to Justin's statement, he was saying that uh, it, the pacing is thrown off by the ba- uh, the backstory, and I, I do agree with that. Uh, I there was no hook. I mean, the things that happened got resolved from what we saw. Like again, they caught the one guy. We will get answers hopefully next episode, and then he's accepted by the Tuscan Raiders. So we'll see where that goes in the next episode. So it's like a lot of the stuff that could have been saved or you know maybe a cliffhanger esque thing was was re- resolved. Uh, so again, not a big hook, but it, the story that I, that is the potential for the story is what has me invested. So. Uh, again, soundtrack was great. The fighting was a bit meh. So I'm probably going to go ahead and give it a four to five uh, back to baths. But uh, yeah, a solid episode nonetheless. I'm looking yeah. forward to more. I'm excited. Man, I, yeah, yeah, I'm stoked. I'm, I'm really stoked to see where they go with it. I think it they, they have an opportunity to not play it safe, but I do think this episode did play it a little bit more safe. I think it reminded me a lot more of the of actually the Mandalorian season one, episode one, where again we get very little dialogue in the first portion of that episode for most of the episode even, uh, and it's a little more visual storytelling. Um, and it seems as though you know this. I don't think this single episode had as much grandiose nature about it. I think um, you know I think it's going to be something that's going to work a lot better. Once we've seen episode two and three and four and and however, I think there's seven in total. Um, As I mentioned, just like you said, both of you, like the music, Gorenson is just killing it. I want him to score everything going forward. Um, It was it was, you know, I think it was great and it was rewarding as a fan to see the literal escape from the Sarlacc pit. I'm glad they they did that, got that right out of the the bat there. But uh, I just think that um, it it was it. 
I think Star Wars fans need more than that these days. I think, you know, Star Wars fans need a little bit more, not necessarily of of Star Wars fan moments, but they need, like you said, Justin, they need that hook. They need that 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 old and the new, the fresh thing that's going to kind of say, what the heck? I was not expecting that. I think I think we really need them to start subverting those expectations. And yeah, sure. I love getting what I want. I love getting a, a moment that I think people have been waiting for for years and years at this point. That was awesome. I'm glad they didn't spend too much time on it, but I'm, I'm really stoked we got to see it. I just think like we don't necessarily need a baby Yoda. Uh, moment, but we need something. We need something at the tail end of this first episode to really kick it off, and we just we didn't get that. So I think you know it plays to our expectations. It needs to subvert them at the same time. So uh, for this episode, I, you know it's very it's it, you guys us talking about this has made me more excited about it. So this is a little low, um, but I'm going to give it a three point five out of five back to baths. It was good. I don't think it was great, and I'm really stoked to see great. Uh, from this series so we'll have to wait and see what next week holds um but yeah that is it any other thoughts before we wrap up no i mean i said where i think the story might be going so yeah i i hope we see again that feudal air like feudal japan-esque style battle for territory and domination stuff like that it'd be really neat to see uh, especially because jabba or sorry uh boba really is inheriting nothing from jabba or bib He's got two Gamorrean guards to his name, so mm-hmm. really starting from the bottom in that sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, 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 get, I get the sentiment of you know the the episode needed something to hook fans, and and maybe if it was longer than thirty eight minutes, we could have gotten something. But I, I, I honestly think that the the intrigue of this show, basically with this first episode being more of a statement as to saying that it is going to be a bit more of a, a drawn out long haul. Now where we end up at the end of this series, that'll be a real telling tale of of how we feel, right? But mm-hmm. I think that this episode like, you know, doesn't need that wow and it it's actually nice that it didn't have it because to your point because Star Wars fans need that wow, that hook, that thing that's going to make them go, "Oh, okay, I wasn't expecting that." That's can that can still come. Right. And when it sure. does come, I think that the, the payoff will be will hopefully be uh, will be good. So well, it'll, it'll be interesting with whatever that hook is to see. Is it a hook for Star Wars fans or is it a hook that's going a completely different direction? Because, you know, the whole aspect of of Grogu being a, a Yoda character, you know, a Yoda species, that was the big, oh my gosh, moment. And so are they going to tie this in? Are we going to get something? Or does it have to be tied in? Are we going to maybe try to go a completely different direction with it and not necessarily worry about tying it into the Mandalorian or tying it into what's going on uh, previously? Well, just being in the outer rim where Tatooine is, that always leads me to think that they're going to have first contact with what we what is beyond the galaxy as we know it. Like we know that the Chiss is out, are out there somewhere through the Thrawn series. So, and we know that Thrawn is also out there somewhere possibly, because if we got the rumors that Ezra is still out there, then there's probably, I mean, it's just likely he's still out there. So right. I think it'd be cool if we get potential set up for more exploration of what's beyond the galaxy. And because- and I think they might, they might not need to hit so hard on, on trying to, set up all that in in one episode right because no yeah, they've I, already done so much like with the mandalorian you know they they gave us baby yoda in season one 
and, a, and an interesting background of who the hell is he. In season two, they gave us the 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 satisfaction of knowing while also giving us Luke. So they like they they did those hooks already. I think now they can play it a little close to their chest, maybe take, you know, half a step back and build to something. And who knows? They could be building to what was the criminal organization that uh, Darth Maul was was running for Crimson Sun. Crimson Sun, yeah. So could we not see potentially leading into that? You know what I mean? I would love to see if if somehow Mace Windu shows up in this series. Like there's endless possibilities of things that mm-hmm. could potentially happen here. And that's exciting. That's that's what's really exciting. If, especially if you think of where in the timeline we are, both past and present, of seeing his story being told. You know, he's I guess no, I guess days after the events of Return of the Jedi in his past story, mm-hmm. while also being, you know, newly anointed king of crime in, in Mos Espa. So timeline wise, it'll be interesting to see who he sees on either. I think end. Sam Jackson is a, a tall order. I know. I think maybe a ca- But maybe it's a, a possibility, Bane, though. Justin, it's a possibility. Maybe a Cad Bane shows up. Yes. And we finally get that animatic that we know realized where he gets the dent in the helmet. We get to see that moment. I mean, they already gave us the Sarlacc pit, so just give us all the Boba Fett moments that we've dreamed of uh, and see where it takes us. Um, all right. Well, that is it for this week's episode of Watch Club. We hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, make sure to subscribe to us wherever you like to listen to podcasts, if you haven't already. And if you want to write into the show with your thoughts or predictions on the shows we cover in Watch Club, well, uh, let me shoot first over to our resident junkyard Jawa, Justin, to tell you how you can reach us. Well, they can reach us at wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. That's wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. Or on Twitter at GeekcentricYT or on Instagram at WeAreGeekcentric. Give me one more Utini, bud. I Houdini! need to hear it. There we go. <laughs> so, sounds like you're saying Houdini, but yeah, uh, I kind of know. This Houdini! Star Wars is magic. So uh, <laughs> keep in mind, we have a ton of other episodes covering the latest, greatest uh, shows and movies out now, uh, including our spoiler filled review and reaction for Spider Man No Way Home. Again, if you like this Watch Club sort of content, that very much was kind of like a Watch Club for Spider Man No Way Home. So definitely check that out. We've also got our spoiler free review for Don't Look Up and our spoiler free review for Cobra. Kai season four. Justin Darcy, thank you so much for joining me for this watch club. And as we say, don't, don't fret, fret, Boba Fett. Fett.